Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast with Dr. Raj Dasgupta, a show all about educating patients, students, and aspiring doctors about better patient care. Dr. Raj is a quadruple board certified physician and associate professor at the University of Southern California. He was a co-host of the TNT series, Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, as well as a regular on the TV show, The Doctors. And now, here's our show. Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Raj Show. Once again, this is not just a show for medical knowledge. It's a show about, you know, friends. It's a show about everything, about good health. It's about wellness. It's about things that will help you look better on the outside and help you look better on the inside. And I purposely planted that seed today because I have an amazing guest who is going to make you feel better both on the outside and the inside. And I'm going to give you a little background before I just kind of jump in there and introduce her. So this is going to be a brand owner, and I hope I get the name right. I'm going to say it. It's going to be Ekin Oslin. Is that right? Yes. (laughs) Found herself falling, you know, uh, somewhat accidentally into her life as a businesswoman, a singer, and performer. Having been a veteran of the New York modeling industry for years, yes, everyone, I do have a model on my show today, she eventually turned uh, towards hair care when her stepmother started experiencing some health issues. Before she knew it, she had created a formula that was so effective that she uh, she was met with unbelievable demand and would see this turn into her full-time livelihood. But as someone who also possessed a passion for music, she knew that she needed to find a way to combine her creative disciplines. Blurring the lines between her brand and music, she started to feature her products in music videos. Now, I want to actually let everyone know how I met her. So it's such a small world. So we have a mutual friend and her name is Cassandra. I just love saying that name. And Cassandra actually uh, does all my medical uh, videos, all my medical lectures, which is funny because she also worked with you, Ekin, making your one of your great brandings. And during one of these commercials she was making for you, there was a medical thing talking about a neuroendocrine tumor. I like to say the word a paraganglioma. And you asked me to comment on it. And so through Cassandra, through your passion, we actually met each other. And now I turn the tables and you're my guest. So with that being said, let me introduce you. Ekin, how are you doing? And thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Raj. I'm so excited and I'm so lucky and fortunate to be here. I love that we turn the tables like this. So this is fun. No, definitely. Now, I got so many questions because you do so many different things. So these are what I call the get to know you questions. So (laughs) (laughs) this one I really like. I I like this one. So it's going to start off with this. Where were you born and were you always this beautiful in high school or were you kind of like those teens in the movies where no one really noticed them in high school until you got your braces off and took off the glasses? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think, um, you know, we all have to start somewhere, Mm -hmm. but um, I I was born in Turkey, in Ankara, Turkey, and I was, yeah, so my dad is Turkish and I moved to the States when I was about two and a half, three years old. I spoke no English whatsoever. So I've been very westernized, as you can see, (laughs) but my entire family 
still there. So my whole dad's side of the family is there. My sister's there. So it's very important to me, you know, my roots. And, and I think it's had a lot to do with who I am today, for sure. How often do you get to go back to, to Turkey? And have you been there recently or not really? You know, I haven't been there recently just with everything that's going on. But, um, you know, growing up, I would go for the summers and I would spend my summers there with my dad. And then I would come home and then, you know, and I would go to school with my mom. So I was kind of going back and forth. So no, let's go back to the high school. So did did I paint the right picture? Were you like under the radar and you were part of chess club, but then all of a sudden, like the glasses came off? What happened? Uh, no, I think I, I I've kind of always been in the fast lane. <laughs> I think in high school, um, I was probably doing a little better than I am now. Um, that that youth, um, but but my products have helped with that. I will say. <laughs> Of time bringing it back to carousel, yes. <laughs> now, let me ask you this when you were in high school, I mean, you do so many things right now, your hands are in so many different things. What was your initial goal? What did you want to? What was your dream to be? Um, out of high school, did you want to be an astronaut? I mean, what, what did you want to be? It's funny because my mom worked at NASA. I love that you even mentioned being an <laughs> astronaut. Um, <laughs> I grew up in this surf town called Cocoa uh-huh. Beach, Florida, which was right, right near Cape Canaveral where NASA was. So, oh. So I grew up kind of in this quintessential, you know, beach bunny life. And I really, what I really wanted to do was go to medical school, like a good little girl. I wanted to go to medical school and I wanted to be a psychiatrist. That was really what I, yeah, that was really what I ended up, you know, trying to pursue before modeling kind of, you know, took over, I guess. Um, But I had a scholarship to, to university and I actually... I don't know how I managed to do it, but I did it all while, you know, being up in New York and working full time as a model. Now, so. now let's go back to, you know, uh, going from being one of my colleagues, you wanted to be a doctor and go to med school. You know, how was it? Yeah. How was that transition? Because it seems like it is two ends of the bookshelf, two ends of the spectrum. So, I mean, was it kind of, did your parents give you a butt kicking for changing your mind? Did they ground you for a long time? And how was that transition? You know, you know I love that you asked that because it's, it really, my parents, I have to say, bless their hearts. They, education was so important to them and to make sure that I had a degree. And I think for them, they wanted me, yes, to be happy, but they wanted me, you know, to be successful and to have a path. And the modeling thing, it comes at you so fast and so hard. And it's kind mm-hmm. of like, there's all these amazing opportunities, right? And it's like one of my first modeling jobs, it was for a cosmetics company. And I was with the live baby tiger. You know, my oh, second no job, way. I was with South Africa. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, it's things that you wouldn't normally do in your everyday life. And I think my parents, they really saw the opportunities that I was being presented. And I think they knew that school would always be there for me. And and they believed in me when I told them that I would get a degree no matter what. And so that that was really how it all transpired. But I'm very grateful that they were very understanding about it. Um, I think the whole pre-med thing, it, it quickly dissipated because of everything else that I got into. But Hey, never say never. <laughs> and that, that is true. I think you are a testament to say never, totally. never. Yeah. yeah. 
So wait, I mean, I didn't plan on you mentioning the tiger. Now, was the tiger in Florida or that's all New York stuff? That was actually in Florida. So wait, I mean, I mean, just give me a small snippet. You know, you, you come home, your mom asks yeah. you how school's going. You're like, you know, uh, I can't really talk much about school today, mom, but I'm going to be in the cage with the tiger. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Were you, was there any special secret bars protecting you? I mean, <laughs> it was a baby tiger. It was amazing because in the commercial, my face morphed into the tiger. No so way. it was, yes. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, I'm sold. I want to do this for the rest of my life, you know, because I'm an avid animal lover. So <laughs> I, it was amazing. I'm very grateful for all the opportunities that I had. Being a model is really cool because it's like every day you're working with a different set of people, different art directors, different photographers. You're never around the same thing. It's never monotonous, you know, it's ever changing. And I think now at this stage in my life, you know, you kind of, everything needs to evolve and I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. You know, you're making me kind of jealous a little bit, but no, let me go on <laughs> to the, uh, to, I got some New York questions. I know you lived in New York for a while, you know, so here's yeah. my, my standard introductory question. You know, most people, because I lived in New York for a little bit doing my training, it's, it's a little okay. overwhelming when you first get there. In California, for example, when I get my Starbucks coffee, I like to say hello and chat with people. But like in New York, they kind of like look at you weird. Like, why are you talking to me? Like, just shut up and get your coffee. So was it overwhelming yeah, for you being in New York? Oh my God, it was absolutely overwhelming. I... I moved there literally with like flip-flops, no jacket. You know, I was a beach bunny, quintessential beach bunny. I was hanging <laughs> out with like Kelly Slater's little brother and, you know, a bunch of surfers <laughs> on the beaches in Florida. So I, I when I was scouted yeah. and I moved to New York, it was like, oh my God, it was October. And I remember it was getting cold and I, I was freezing beyond belief. I moved there with a convertible Miata. Go figure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was totally just sticking out like a sore thumb. And then, um, you know, I quickly figured it out and, and the rest is history. But it was a very difficult transition for me. And I was definitely almost eaten alive. That, that did happen. So, you know, I think it's the greatest education in the world. I hope that my children will end up in New York City at some point in their lives. I think that it's really, it, it just makes you it makes you strong. And what's that Jay-Z song? Like, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like... So with, with that being said... Right? No, I agree with you. So with that being said, you know, like, where were you in, like, Manhattan? Where did you live? And what was kind of like your favorite New York moment? Was there a one moment where it just kind of sticks out at you as this is quintessential New York story? I think my, I lived on the Upper East Side. I lived in Tribeca. I lived in Battery Park City. I lived in Chelsea. I mean, I, I lived and breathe everything that that city <laughs> in 13 years <laughs> offer somebody I did it and and I was so ready at that time to kind of like okay I'm ready for you know sunny beautiful weather like this LA weather we have here so um but yes I think that for me I have so many great moments in New York you know and I have some really sad ones too so I as many great things happened to me there there was a lot of sadness for me so oh. it was good kind of for me to LA and start, start fresh and kind of, you know, rebuild my life again. But I think for me, it was definitely, you know, I was married in, in, in right there and at Central Park, you know, it was like, I have so many great memories. Yeah, I do. And, you know, signing with Ford, I mean, and just that day when I, you know, got my contract and I ran out of, you know, I'm like on Fifth Avenue, just going like, oh my God. 
you know, this is like so exciting. Like I, I did it. I did it. You know, I'm like five foot seven. Like how the hell did I do it? You know? And it was like the impossible. It seemed like such a feat at the time, you know? And well, you know, you you are you're my my first model friend, so I'm I'm really excited that you're on my my friends uh, list. You know, you're in my phone, like yeah, I know models. You know what I mean? So let me just ask you, um, uh, who did you look up to as a model? Did you have any role models growing up? You know, was we kind of in the same genre? Who who did you look up to? Yeah. That definitely Cindy Crawford. I was just beyond obsessed with her. <laughs> I just thought she was the she was intelligent. She was well spoken. She was classy, beautiful. You know, every and sexy. It was like she managed yeah. to kind of hit all those striking points. And so for me, I mean, she was just the perfect female. And um, it's interesting because she has a skincare line called Meaningful Beauty as well, oh. and she's you know done. Really with that. Yeah. So, um, and the other interesting point with the Cindy Crawford connection is I was actually her body double for Omega watches recently Mm -hmm. here in LA. (laughs) I mean, I I, I set you up for that question, but you mean you took my horns, you know, that one of my highlights of my career. I'm like, are you kidding me? Will I be Cindy Crawford's body double? Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No. And you know, with all my friends who are my age, you know, I'm sure all of us had a Cindy Crawford poster on our wall at some time. So I think it's a huge honor that you're doing that. And um, it's cool to know that she was actually like you beautiful on the inside as well as the outside. And that's actually even more important, which is good to hear, you know? Let me ask you this question. So this is one of my, my favorite ones. So, you know, one of the, the biggest, not the biggest shows, but a, a very uh, show that kind of depicted what modeling is like is America's Next Top Model. Yeah. Is, is it like that? Is it like, I mean, are you, are people judging you and saying, I'm sorry, you don't have what it takes to be you know, America's you know, Next Top well, Model? It's, it's a little, it's a little more discreet than okay. I think they have portrayed it. They obviously, you know, play it up for the cameras, but mm-hmm. I mean, th- there are definitely bits and pieces of that that are very real. I was, I was very, you know, lucky and fortunate to have, and I'm very grateful for this, that I kind of found a niche and I was very, um, I was very successful in that niche. So I was kind of, I wasn't in that fashion world. You know, I was doing a lot of body work. I was doing a lot of lingerie and swimwear catalogs. Mm-hmm. Um, I did all the men's magazines, you know, Cosmopolitan, L, Men's Health, FHM, yeah. Maxim. You know, I was doing all of that. So I I kind of had all these clients that we, we all knew each other. And, it, you know, you, they become your friends, your clients. So, and even your agents. I think um, in the beginning, you know, it was very intimidating. And then as I became more confident and I became more successful, these started to be my friends and, you know, they still are to this day. Now, now would it be like, because you're in the modeling industry, would you catch yourself holding like a Taco Bell bean burrito that all of a sudden someone slaps your hand? Like, what are you doing? Don't eat that. Or do you have to be very conscious about your food and everything? (laughs) You know, I, I've always, um, I've always been super active and I, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, bless my mom's heart. She definitely, she she's a beautiful woman and she has a beautiful figure and i think that that has gone a long way for me in my life um i ride horses competitively you know i was competing a lot before so i think um i've stayed in shape because of that just from horseback riding um 
But yeah, I definitely have had to, you know, stay true to my working out, stay away from the carbs, you know, as much as I could. When I was modeling, I was definitely eating air. <laughs> Let me put it that way. I was probably a good 10 pounds lighter than I am right now. But um, honestly, I prefer my body now. I like, you know, having curves and I think my husband likes it too. I'm but, sure he you know, but then I was like skin and bones, honestly. And it was mm-hmm. like, it's not really beautiful. I don't think, you know, and I'm, it's, it's interesting how I think um, the Kardashians have really changed that too. It's like, they kind of got put on the map and people are now respecting the curvature of a woman's body. It's like, it's a beautiful thing. And it's healthier in certain ways, like in a lot of ways, you know, you once again, you must read my mind because I saw a picture of you riding a horse. I did. uh, My next question was about horse riding. So I was going to ask you like, how does one, you know, get into horse riding, you know, it, it's kind of scary. They're, they're, they're not small. And I'm going to put you on the spot and confess up. Have you fallen off the horse before? Yes, I've fallen off the horse many times. Many times I've broken bones. Oh. But oh. Yeah, but you know, it's I moved to LA with a broken hand because I got bucked off of my mare, you know. But it, New York was very dangerous like that. I mean, I was, you know, at times I was riding on the Upper West Side of, of Manhattan and I would take <laughs> Can you believe the horses would come down? This is how desperate I was to keep riding when I lived in the city. I miss the horses so much of just being in nature, you know, in that concrete jungle, I couldn't take it. And so they would come down and shoot at you saddled up. Can you believe this out of a building? And you would get on and you would walk through the cabs, everything. And I would go to Central Park and I would canter around the reservoir. And people are like jogging on their morning runs. (laughs) Here I am on horseback, you know, but kind of like you just do what you do and you have to, you have to do the things that make you happy wherever you are in life. Please. Life is so short. Do the things that you love. Don't let life get in the way. (laughs) Well, I I loved how you used horse terminology. You said the word canter and no one caught it, but I caught it. So you, were you, were you actually, were you jumping things like on the horse? Was that your thing or was it? So you would jump like the bars. See, I couldn't do that. That's exactly what I do. Like this right before you and I spoke today right now, that's what I was doing. You're kidding me. See, you should have invited me over because I would love to see you just jump over. I will absolutely take you out to see my horses. You will love it. It's so therapeutic. I mean, <laughs> just they they make you feel so good. There's nothing in my life that makes me feel. They replenish everything that day to day gets basically sucked out of you right now, you know, with the stresses that are going on with the pandemic and everything. I mean, they literally just fill my cup back up again. And then I can, I can, I'm like, okay, now I can take on the world. <laughs> you know, it's like either pay a therapist or go buy a horse, go buy a horse all day long. You know, is it, is it, does, how long did it take you to feel the confidence to, to jump over one of these things? It's gotta be the scariest thing. I, you know, did, 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 you did know, it take I, years to do it? Honestly, I still scare myself. Okay. Like I was scared today. Today I got scared. And okay. then, and then like, but my favorite is overcoming that fear. It's like there is no place that you can be except mm-hmm. exactly in that moment. It forces you to be present yeah. because it's literally life and death. Like if you're not focused, you could fall off and be crushed by a thousand pound animal. Yeah. <laughs> what are the options right now? Pay yeah. attention. So literally it's like, it just puts you in the zone and it's just, 
I, I am obsessed. I love it. I am an avid equestrian. I recommend it to everyone. I, they are the greatest thing in my life. Oh, you know, I'm, or, I'm already pretty impressed with this interview. You've been in a cage with a tiger. You're jumping <laughs> bars with horses. You know what I mean? So before we get into like some of the other questions, one more fun question before we go. So I got to know you being a model, you must have had crushes on dudes when you're growing up. Who was your favorite TV star movie dude that you're like, you know, if I could have a, a prom date for one day with this person, who would be your, your, your crush? Oh my God. You're totally throwing me off right now. How could I not know this? I mean, <laughs> back then, I, I think, I think I was so in love with my husband. I can't, I must've forgotten all this stuff. Um, maybe like, I don't know, Brad Pitt was pretty hot way back when. Um, you know what? I could imagine that. I think half of United States oh, has on Brad Pitt. <laughs> oh no, I know who it is. It's Olivier Martinez in that movie Unfaithful with Diane Lane. I know that movie. Oh so my God. hot. <laughs> so hot. The hair, the whole, the sex scenes. Yeah. Like, I've seen that movie, but I actually watched it again just by chance the other day. Yeah. And I was, I told my husband, oh my God, this guy's hair is amazing. <laughs> like I'm big on hair. It's no, it's no wonder that I own a hair care brand, right? Yeah, so. Totally. For those who haven't seen the movie, I mean, that is, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's with Richard Gere. You know what I mean? It's about what the title is, Unfaithful. But that scene where Richard Gere kills your guy, oh my MG. Oh. It sticks with you, doesn't it? I yes. know. It's like a gasp moment. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, well, good choice on the movie. Good call on the actor. I am very impressed with that answer. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. I mean, here's some of the some other main questions I want to know. It's like I am very impressed that you're the CEO of Carousel. So, my broad question to you is, you know, where did the idea of Carousel came from? We were talking all about your past and all your modeling, and where did Carousel come from? I know, I know. It's kind of like it came out of nowhere, it sounds like, but there was really a point where um, all this fits in. And it, and it really happened when I was in New York, I fell in love and married a plastic surgeon. And we, God rest his soul, he passed away. But he taught me so much about wound healing, about the skin, about watching patients post procedure watching how their skin reacts to different treatment protocols um different products topically applied you know microdermabrasion i mean all all of these skin treatment protocols i was so fascinated and because i was a model in such a saturated industry and in a, and in a mecca like new york city it's like you really had to find your strength like in anything, but I mean, with modeling, it's so visual and it's so apparent, it's so obvious. Like what, when someone looks at you, what is so right about you? Is it your hair? Is it your smile? You know, is it your body? Is it, are you great at body modeling your hands, your feet, whatever it is, you have to find and dial into that. Right. So yeah, I think for me, I started kind of going to all the experts and modifying little things about my skin and hair and I started just learning so much from them. I mean, that many years of doing this, it's like I became a connoisseur. <laughs> and, you know, with his leadership and guidance, really, he he just taught me so much. And I've, I've just always been super fascinated in the skin. And, you know, with it being the largest organ on our body, it's just, it's amazing the way that it can heal and the way that it can really make you feel terrible about yourself. If it's bad, like if you have acne or if you have brown spots or if you're yeah. scarring, you know, I mean, for men and women, these are things that it's really emotional. And it, it, for me, I know as, as a 
teenager, you know, I suffered with acne and it was so embarrassing. Sometimes I wouldn't go out because I had a zit. I mean, that's how serious I took it. You know, I was like a 14 and a 15 year old girl. It was like, I was just, I've always been obsessed with my skin really, you know? And I think it just blossomed from there. When I moved to LA, my stepmother is a cosmetic chemist. She owns a lab and that's kind of how it all came together. Just all of this research I had done and all of this, you know, experience that I, that I had really led me to building brand and to helping people with hair loss and with skin issues. When I listen to you, so many questions come out. I almost want to make the podcast like a two and a half hour podcast because I don't even know where to ask next. You know, I, I forgot that, um, or I just didn't know your, your, your husband passed away in New York. Was this something that it was, you knew it was going to happen at some time or was it suddenly unexpected or, and you don't have to answer if I'm being a weirdo. No, not at all. He had cancer. So, I mean, you know, he was in remission when we were married and it was really, um, it was really wild because he, you know, he would go to like Tijuana and have all these alternative treatments done, you know, they would take his blood out and put it back in. Like he was injecting himself with shark cartilage. I mean, all the, and because he was a physician and because he was a surgeon, it was like, whatever he was doing, I trusted. And I fully, you know, stood behind him and he was treating himself almost because he just, you know, he refused to have any more chemo and any more radiation. And so it's like, he went on his own path and it worked for a long time until it didn't, you know? Yeah. So it's, it just taught me so much about the body and healing and health. And you must, and in general, just to go through that, you know, like, uh, it just makes you such a stronger person, your empathy towards other people, you know, I mean, being firsthand, you know, to witness passing of someone you love, that's just things you didn't, you can't teach in med school or anything, you know, it's just, I, I bet you, it made you definitely the person you are today with all the stuff you've been through. Thank you so much. Yeah. I kind of feel like I experience things that people aren't supposed to experience until they're much further along in life. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, it's as long as I do something with all that, you know, that grief or that pain and it turns into something positive yeah. and I, maybe that's why it was placed upon me and upon him, you know, it's like you, you have to do something with it and, and help other people. And I, and I hope that's what I really am doing right now. No, I, I, from everything I studied about you before coming here, I mean, you're, you are Mr. and Mrs. Helping People. You're amazing. But let me ask you this question. I want to ask you this. Uh, how did you take your brand? And I love your brand from the idea stages and to turn it into a full fledged company? Because it's, it's one idea that we could talk about things, have a brainstorm about things. Like for people who are not aware, when they go to uh, the podcast, I'll put all your websites and all your commercials and all these things up. I mean, it's really, really impressive. How did you do that? You know? Thank you so much. I mean, my, my family was, was fundamental in regards to all of this. Um, I definitely, and to this day, but I think, you know, with my stepmother being in the, in the industry, and with me having all that experience and kind of, you know, that Rolodex of experts, if you will say that I was in, that I was connected to based on the industry years that I had, you know, um, that was kind of all meshed together to really create the brand. My, my stepmother had an early hysterectomy. She started suffering from hormonal hair loss. And okay. so 
Paracel really began as an anti-hair loss product. In oh, season. okay. Mm-hmm. So the human stem cell extract portion, you know, we combine that with all the peptides for hair regrowth. And we were shocked at what happened to her own head of hair because she was, she had long, dark, beautiful hair like mine, just long hair like this. And she just, it started coming out in clumps and it was just horrifying and it was traumatic for her. So especially being in the industry, like she was, you know, she was formulating beauty products. I mean, so she kind of got in and started concocting something for her own use. And from there, it was like, then we started making products for my brother's acne, you know? And then next thing you know, it just, everything just, it was like a domino effect. We saw the success of the hair products initially, and that's what really rolled the whole product line out. And then we we went into CBD because we're in Dillard's and Dillard's had a really great, great run with CBD products. So we said, you know what, let's combine CBD and human stem cell extract. Let's be the first company to do that and to release that technology. And we were, and it's been a massive success for us. So I love CBD. You know that. <laughs> that was something you and I did together. It's amazing. All the benefits to skin and to sleep, obviously, but for, you know, eczema and psoriasis and inflammation in the skin, it's acneic issues. It's just amazing. It's like two superpowers when you're combining human stem cell extract and CBD. So I'm super passionate about that. And you know what I did? Because, you know, I know some of my listeners and the people who do my podcast are called Inside the Board. So I have all these med students and residents and, you know, and people just love, like I mentioned, just health listening to this. So, I, you know, I did my own research because I know that your skin line is awesome. So what I did was I actually talked to our mutual friend, Cassandra. You gave her some of the product yeah. and she actually filmed all the testimonial. And I was like blatant with Cassandra because, you know, she's one of my really good friends. I'm like, and I'm like, hey, Cass, yeah. don't BS me. Does this stuff work? Are the people kind of yeah. lines to say over this commercial? And she really looked me in the eye and said, no, nah, man, you know, people with those testimonials. And I saw, I watched it just to see it. They're almost tearing up. And so, like I said, I think sometimes in life, you know, I think there is the science and I don't want to get in a big debate about the science, but making people feel good, making people smile, you know, some of the things like, I like what you said, the biggest organ in the body is the skin and it does affect people. So I really love that your whole purpose is to make people happy. And I'll say for the research I did before this podcast, I think you got something there. I really mean it. Much. Thank you. That's amazing to hear coming from you. I admire you so much. So I appreciate it. I got a couple more questions. Well, more than a couple. So I love that you you're, you do so many things. How and what is your music background? Because I don't really know for sure. What is your music background? And how did you combine it with your brand? How do you take music? And now we're just talking about skin product. They don't seem yeah. to be correlated whatsoever. How did you how did you do that? I know I you know, because I kind of segued from modeling into into singing. I've 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 been singing since I was a kid. I played piano all as a child. Um, but, you know, after I started slowing down with the modeling a little bit because I started getting into music so much, I was hanging out with a lot of really talented, um, almost like freestyle hip hop guys in Brooklyn. Okay. <laughs> and they were, I mean, I know that sounds so, so off the, the radar for, for someone like me, but it was so interesting. They're like poets. They literally just break into, they go into like word battles just spontaneously <laughs> with no preparation. I mean, it's so entertaining. And so what happened was I just, I was hanging out with a lot of guys that were in the music industry and they were all into this. And I was, I always had saying, so I was like, 
well, I, I write, I want to try to just let's record something, you know? So I went into the studio with them one day and I remember this guy, his name was Jamie Johnson. He owned a record label and he was a artist and he was so talented and he just went in there and we just like, I started singing and he started rapping and we put it all together and it was like this amazing song. And so that's really how it started. It just started kind of like for fun. Okay. I, you know, I had the brand and I had the modeling background and all the things. And I just thought to myself, how do I put all these things together so that I can continue doing them? Because what happens is carousel started taking over (laughs) and I'm so devoted and so committed to the brand that, you know, anything musically I was doing, it started to get pushed to the side. And that worried me because I had put so much energy into my music and it scared me. I didn't want to lose that. And so I said, let me combine these two things and let's see if we just start placing the product in my music videos, you know, it's exposure, it's great for the brand, it's fun, it makes the brand more relatable, it's such a high science, you know, brand, it really brings it down to a level to where consumers can really understand it. And so that's what we started doing. We put like liquid gold in my Lenoche video, we just recently... I released a CBD hand sanitizer and we put that with, I don't know if you know who Vadir Derbez and Roxy Ferrari. I just recorded a song with them late 2020. We released, released that. So it's fun. It's just fun. Now, and I, I really wish I could show everyone some of these videos because I, you know, once again, I did my due diligence and I saw one of the videos and I had a little smile on my face because it was, it really wasn't subtle you placing the the, uh, the product in the video. It was like a it's zoom close of, of the two of the, both your yeah. faces and she's putting it blatantly. There's the label right there. I'm like, I'm like, maybe you could kind of tone it down on the obvious. <laughs> well done. Well done. You know Thank what I mean? So it was, that was a beautiful shot to capture. And we actually filmed that, believe it or not, in my horse stable. Oh, you know, these are like top-notch, well-done videos. It wasn't like someone with a little camcorder filming. I was like, wow, this is like yeah. MTV level stuff. Yeah. It was really awesome. The producer is amazing. He, yeah, he totally turned it out. It was pouring down, raining outside. My horses were wild. They had lights and cameras and everything on the barn. It was at night. We did a night shoot and it was so much fun. And I was on the horse bareback and they were using like all the tack trunks as turntables. All the horses were so well behaved. I couldn't believe it with all the lighting that they were doing, but it was so, it was so fun. Well, you know, ne- next time you do a video, I'm going to send you a, a, a picture of me so you can put it, place it in the background so I can make <laughs> it in the video somewhere. <laughs> I love it. What does it mean to you and your image uh, to be seen as a successful business woman? And I really want to emphasize businesswoman because a lot of the guests on my show talk about the role of women in medicine, the role of women everywhere. And I think that's what I admire about you the most is that, you know, in sometimes a man-dominated field like being a CEO, I mean, you're a baller. And can you expand upon that, please? Yes. And I want to say that I think that whole going back, this is something about me being in New York for so many years. I was very much a people pleaser. You know, I wanted everyone to be happy with me. And I think a lot of women struggle with this. It's like we have to kind of push that down in order to be our best selves in the business world and to really go head to head against a male dominated world, really. So I think um, for me, it's, it's very important in my life that I lead by example. And I hope that, you know, my niece and my nephew even, and, you know, I hope that they 
look up to me and I hope that they see how my life has kind of played out and that they want to also be leaders in their field, you know, especially my niece, because it's like, it is challenging and it is, you know, stressful and it is hard. And I thought I would be a model and then I would be a singer and I would continue in those fields. And then I would be a wife and a mother. And that's how my, that's the way that I saw my life going ultimately. And for me to just have kind of turned into this mini mogul, you know, I did not see that coming and I was not prepared for that. And I'm still honestly on a day-to-day basis, trying to kind of wrap my head around it and be my best self every day and be smart and be respected and be successful. I mean, I think it's it's a very challenging world out there right now, especially. Yeah. And, you know, as a minority owned business, which is what I am, you know, it's it's very, very challenging. I just hope that I lead by example, I guess is how I would close that statement. It's important to me. And I think just saying one more thing, I think yeah. because, you know, because I was model for so long, you're not really looked at as a smart person. No one thinks that you're really smart. They think you're pretty (laughs) and you're kind of like an object and an accessory, you know? And I think for me, I wasn't comfortable with that. That wasn't enough for me. And there was a timestamp on that, that is very scary because what are you when you're not that anymore? you know, so I think for any you know, little girls that want to become models, like I'll tell you what my mother told me, like get an education, have something to fall back on. I got to tell you, that was one of the best answers I've had on the Dr. Raj podcast. I love that answer. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. One thing that we covered during our time together with your brand and what you're doing to help people was your relationships. And you always kind of imply that maybe at one moment it was a manager or an agent and it turned out to be a friend, you know? So my question to you is what does it mean to you to be able to have personal relationships with your clients? Does that mean a lot? Absolutely. I mean, I, I literally answer the phones. I talk to every single one of my clients and that's been actually a struggle for me. And for a lot of my business consultants, they're like, Ekin, how are you going to grow the brand? They always use this word, you know, how are you going to really grow the brand? If this is the, tact that you want to take, but I love connecting with my clients. I, they text me, they call me, they show me like, oh my God, it's been two weeks. Look what my hair is already doing. And then I get like a close up shot of their scalp. And I love that. That's amazing. I mean, this is to me, I want to call and I want to talk to the owner of a company who's making, you know, whose family is making the products that I'm putting on my head every day. I want to have a connection with that person. And I want to know that this is safe. I want to know where it comes from. I want to be able to ask them questions. And so I hope that, you know, that's the way that my clients look at it. A lot of people are shocked. They're like, oh my God, you're the girl in the video. And I'm like, well, yeah, (laughs) it's like, I am, but I'm also here to answer any of the questions you have about the products, you know? So it's really funny. I mean, I just kind of do things by my own, I don't know, instinct, but I think my clients love it. You know, one thing about you, I'm sure you get this all the time because you're right. You know, I just knew you just a little bit, you know, because it was a quick hello and goodbye. And I see you and you have tremendous amount of following on in, you know, social media. And I saw your videos. But, you know, when I talk to you, I could truly say you are nothing like what you appear in these videos and everything. You are nice and down to earth. I'd rather talk about 80s movies with you than anything else, you know, but... I mean, I'm just telling you, I think your strongest point, you know, when I look at you and talk to you is uh, your, your personality. And I think that you will, you are the, the, 
most impressive CEO, and you're going to get even more stronger and predominant when people get to even get to spend time talking to you because that's your strongest point. You are you have a great personality. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank now, you. don't tear up. This is our last question, but yeah. they always say, you know, the best for last, you know, yeah. I make you think, I'm going to make you think a little bit. Uh, so how do you ensure okay. that you will continue to grow personally and professionally? How do I ensure? You set the bar really high. You came from being in Florida to New York to all these things. Now, at this point, I know that the game's not done. What are you going to keep on doing to make sure you stay on top of your game and keep on uh, expanding in all aspects of what you want to set out to do? Yeah, I think I focused, you know, very much on my career for for a very long time, and I'm right now. I think for me, you know, it's really about building my family and kind of I want to have this legacy to pass to someone, you know? And so I think for me, you know, right now I'm going through IVF and it's been really, really challenging for me. And I'm on my second round of IVF right now. So, you know, and I've kind of put it all on my Instagram as my journey because I want people to be able to reach out to me, men and women. You'd be amazed how many men are messaging me about this too. It's like, it's incredible. And how many people want to know questions and have answers. And so I've kind of been, you know, using my journey to help other people. So please reach out to me, anybody, if you're hearing this and you have questions about it. But um, I think that that's really the way that I ensure, you know, that my legacy continues. And and really for anyone, that's, that is the way that we all do it, isn't it? It's like... No, no, I love it. Work, I work, think work. You're thinking about the future and, and passing down and being a mentor. But now, once again, you mentioned something. I got to ask you a couple more questions. Like, I mean, what, what part's the hardest right now with, you know, IVF? I know it's, it's a never-ending challenge. It never stops. Is, is the shot... How are the shots going? Are they painful? Did they do a harvesting yet? I mean, have you been through that yet? Yeah. What's, what's, what's been... Is it traumatic or is it not that bad? It's really an emotional journey. I was not prepared for it. I did... You know, this is my second attempt right now. I, I, we were able to get five embryos. So I have five embryos right now that have been biopsied and that are we're waiting for the genetic testing to come back. Um, I'm trying not to even have any expectations because yep. it like just sidelines you. It's like a sucker punch to the gut when you yep. get bad news. And you know, yep. previously I had all abnormal embryos. I had nine of them. They were all boys and girls. So it was okay. like, devastating. You know, that was like about a month and a half ago. Gotcha. So now I'm just trying to keep my cool and not be too stressed out about my work and the pandemic and all that are going on in society and just trying to, you know, really stay focused on all the things I'm grateful for in my life and, you know, hoping and praying for the best. It's totally out of my hands. I mean, all you can do at this point is pray because it's like, I've taken all the vitamins. I've done the acupuncture. I've shot myself up every night. Bless my husband's heart. I mean, he has been, you know, he was preparing all the injections for me and just managing the schedule of going to the doctor, getting ultrasounds, the blood work. I mean, I was just you know, you're poked and prodded on. It's like, you just, you don't want any more injections. You don't want anyone to to do these things anymore. You just want to have a good result. And so, you know, my, my doctor, Dr. Surrey, he's amazing. He's like, he's so cute. You know, he gives me like this kind of like, he does this to me and like the elbow because of, you know, and he's like, you deserve some good news, honey. You deserve some good news right now. And I'm like, you're right, Dr. Surrey. I do. Haven't I worked hard enough right now? You know, but 
No, and I'm sure everyone listening to this and all your fans out there are definitely praying for you. You know, you're definitely not alone when it comes to IVF. You know, some of my guests are, are going through it and it's it's such an emotional roller coaster, you know, and no one could ever be in your shoes until they have to do it themselves. But if anyone will be a spokesperson for that too, I'm sure you have room in your schedule. You're a spokesperson for so many things. I think it's just the next thing you're I would make reporting about, you know? Yeah. It, it would be, it wouldn't be right for me to withhold this information. You know, my husband was kind of like, Oh my God, you're going to put this on your Instagram. Are you sure? What if it doesn't work? You know? Yeah. And it's like, I don't care. That's the risk I'm going to take. And it's like, I'm here to be true and to be real. And I don't know how to be anything else. And it's like, if it doesn't work and I don't end up pregnant, then at least I've helped somebody kind of guide themselves through this because it's very confusing and very challenging. And every situation that people are dealing with is different. So it's amazing to just be able to connect even with other women on Instagram. I mean, even I find myself sitting there going through their feeds and going, Oh my God, this is when she had her embryo transfer. So how many days later then did she, you know, and it's like, I'm <laughs> kind of like comparing that against all of my experiences, you know, but you see it's, it's wild how many people are going through yeah. this more well, than you would imagine. <laughs> well, you know, I can, even though you didn't pursue going to medical school and being a doctor, you did much, much more between your, your skin line and going through IVF. You're probably the closest thing to a doctor out there. Okay. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, Very humble. Yeah. I'm going to say this much. I mean, I knew we we're going to probably go over time. It's almost been an hour, but it's worth it. You have an amazing story. And I just want to say thank you. And before I, I sign off, do you want to like just give any of your where people can find you and learn more about you? Say a couple quick things before we say goodbye. Yeah. I mean, you can find me at Ekin underscore Oslin on Instagram. Or if you want to check out Carousel, it's just www.carousel.com with a K, K-E-R-A-C-E-L-L.com. Now, if, if you end up picking up any more hobbies and, or you start winning gold medals in the equestrian, uh, do you promise to come back on the show so we could talk about it? Oh, please, if you would have me. If I didn't bore you, yes, I would love to come back. <laughs> All right. Well, any, everyone, we just had uh, an amazing guest and I just can't wait to release this podcast. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.